Okay, it is seven o'clock, so we will call. I will call the meeting to order. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you all for joining us this evening. Um, the, let's see, the, uh, we'll go to B1, the superintendent's report. Dr. Hinson is not with us this evening, so that will be delivered by Deputy Superintendent Dr. Kenny Southwick. Dr. Southwick. Thank you. I'll do my best to get through. Um, first of all, with respect to green schools, 12 Shawnee Mission schools applied for grants from the Kansas Department of Health and Environment for the 2007-18 school year. We're happy to announce that 12 of our schools were awarded grants, which totaled $49,208. Schools use the money in a variety of ways that support our green efforts, including the purchasing of reusable water bottles, funding environmental art projects, improve, improving composting and recycling education. Some of our schools are purchasing reusable water bottles. Um, we've got musical instruments that um, are out of recycled materials um, and then our, of course our paper making that can be uh, composted and recycled so very excited for that um, the next is an event that I had an opportunity to participate in um, down at the Johnson County Courthouse uh, 33 of our Shawnee Mission schools 22 ele 26 elementary 3 middle and 4 high were honored by Johnson County for the efforts in sustainability we are leaders in setting the example and green efforts in the community and in this county. This recognition represents a lot of hard work from principals, teachers, our students, and our families to make our sustainability efforts effective. Um, very excited about this. There are two school districts in Johnson County that were involved in this. Um, as you look across, we've got some of our principals there in the picture, but we also have people that work really hard, our custodians are very much involved in this program, so kudos go to them. We have two school districts in the county, Blue Valley and ourselves. Blue Valley, uh, Blue Valley has two schools, two elementary schools that were involved. Uh, we have 33 of our schools that were recognized with a very nice plaque, and we're on board um, as a result of the work from our staff, and Joan Levins, who's here tonight, has conducted a lot of this uh, work for us. To have all 50 of our schools next year involved in this program to be recognized so uh, kudos go out to all of the people that have been involved in that i'm also proud to announce that we had uh, two of our educators i believe just as early as thursday and friday last week who earned their doctoral degrees uh, john mckinney principal at shiny miss and east john are you here john would you like to stand And I'm sorry, uh, Dr. McKinney, would you stand? <laughs> um, and Emily Klein, a second grade teacher at Trailwood Elementary. Uh, and again, last week they defended their dissertations. I would tell you that this is very important for our school district. We work with our staff constantly about pursuing the next degree, whether that's a master's degree or their doctorate degree. Like John would tell you, if you spend a little time um, I, I was on him for a lot over the last year or so, as I am with other doctoral students, and uh, we applaud their efforts, and we very much appreciate your leadership. Um, next slide, uh, awards at science fair. 
Shawnee Mission schools were well represented at the Greater Kansas City Science and Engineering uh, Fair. Three of the four grand award winners were Shawnee Mission students, and I'm going to probably not do well with the names, but I'm going to try. Andy Cardona, Aaron Smith, and Studi Delal. That's the best that I can do. Um, three of our exceptional students. They were grand award winners. Uh, these three students now qualified to compete in the International Science Fair. Shawnee Mission students also earned other awards at the fair, including four of the five Pioneers in Science Awards, so very proud of our students. Excellence in our middle schools. Kansas Association of Middle School Administrators recently recognized the excellence of Shawnee Mission Middle Schools with several awards, including Principal Ben Pretz at Hawker Grove Middle School has been named the 2017 KAMSA Exemplary Principal. Hawker Grove and Indian Hills have been named the 2017 KASMA, I guess, um, KANSMA High Performance School recipients. Hawker Grove and Indian Woods will also receive the 2017 Exemplary Middle School of the Year recognition. And the Indian Hills is, uh, is 2017 KAMSA finalist middle school of the year. So we're very proud of our middle school, um, our administrators, all of our staff. A little bit about construction update. Um, I don't have to read this one, so I'll feel very much comfortable about this. First picture, um, very proud of our new Center for Academic Achievement. We have over the last three weeks have moved into this space with our staff. Uh, starting with our central office and I think last week we moved our final people in from curriculum and, and also uh, a few of our payroll people. We were uh, smart enough to not move payroll until after we had paid people so they were some of the last to move. That's always an important thing. I want to remind that we, we now occupy, this building is empty. We're back here tonight because we don't have the technology in the new room yet to be able to host a board meeting there. We anticipate we'll have that at our next meeting. So we've moved people in and I think most people will tell you that the culture that we've seen already has changed. Uh, there's lots of, of casual collisions that add, uh, that lead to conversation. It's really what we designed the building to be. So uh, there's a lot of excitement amongst our staff. We now, I will be honest, I've seen people that work in our district that I have never met before and have spent time to go around and try to visit with those people um, to get to know them and let them know how happy we're, we're there all under one roof. Uh, so there's some examples of some of the work areas that we have. Again, you'll see in the picture there's people having those, those collaborative conversations, working at their desk, and, and this is a typical picture that we see all day long. Um, we're very excited about the nest area of our building, the training rooms that we've got, and we have reached out to our community and asked them if they're interested in uh, allowing us to host some of their meetings. We, we've opened the door for that. And then I think the big event for this building will take place uh, when with the investment will really pay off is when the fall, when we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of five or 600 students that will pass through there both morning and afternoon session in our signature program. So um, very excited about the move. Um, I saw Augie cutting the grass here today. Hopefully that's one of the last times he has to do that. Um, we will be turning the building over to Shawnee Mission Medical 
for their intended use. We have a lot of other things that are continuing to go on in the district tonight. We'll ask the board to approve the final bids for uh, Lenexa Hills Elementary School. Um, and um, we also continue our work with uh, Benning Hoven School. We'll have opened up in the fall. We also are continuing our conversations with the city of Leewood, with our architecture uh, group, with um, our construction group about the plans and hope in the near future we'll bring information to you about approving the bids for Brookwood Elementary School. Um, I want to give a little bit of an update. Um, actually, I had one of the board members ask me this question. But how are we coming in terms of the dollars that we've spent and the work we've done? Today, with projects that we've completed across the district with elementary schools, safety and security, new roofs, um, turf fields, sidewalks, a new um, learning commons, all of the work that we had promised out um, as a part of our bond issue, we've either spent and completed or encumbered, and encumbered means that we've approved that work to be done, and but we haven't paid all that money out yet. We've done or committed to do about $146 million of the 223 that we uh, committed that we would do. Uh, and, and starting in 2015, when the bond issue was passed to now, that's, that's a task. Uh, in addition to that, the dollars we have left are committed. So we'll be looking at, uh, as I mentioned, Brookwood and Lenexa Hills, the Aquatic Center, additional turf fields. We continue to have uh, a lot of HVAC work that needs to be in the district. Roofs, uh, trying to improve our grounds across the ent entire district. Um, some things that may not draw a lot of attention, but we've got a lot of flooring that needs to be replaced. Um, plumbing, electrical, um, asphalt, and concrete upgrades. So the money uh, that we have left, we have projects for. We don't have 80-some million dollars out there that, that is not committed. Those are projects that we have that are available. We'll continue to update you with respect to those projects. Um, as, and every time we complete one, we'll try to put an asterisk and a star by it that it was delivered and we'll move on to the next projects. Questions? Right. I, I thank um, every time our staff uh, for their cooperation, for their patience. I always try to thank Bob and his group for the work that they do, um, our architects and our engineers to be able to deliver what we're delivering to the Shawnee Mission School District. I think it's very amazing. And I think it's something that we can be proud of. So. Um, I want to move on to um, boundary changes. I've got a statement that we're going to read. No, we still got boundary changes. Um, just a little bit of a report. We held our boundary change um, meeting at April 3rd at, at Shawnee Mission Northwest. We had great attendance. We had great information that we received. A lot of our uh, school administrators were there, most of the district staff and some board members will tell you that um, with any boundary change, there's concern, but we tried to be open here. And I will tell you that we've received some really good information that will help us as we make those final recommendations to you in May. We're not prepared to make any kind of statement tonight with respect to boundary changes, though, because it would not be fair to those people that were planning to come to the meeting on May the 3rd for us to announce changes. We want to be able to take all that information and to be able to condense that so that we can put together the best recommendation for a boundary change that we can. 
Um, having said that, the next community forum is May the 3rd, so I mission West. Um, we very much value and appreciate the input that we've received from our patrons. Um, I will tell you, I wish I could make everybody happy and that the administration could. Um, I'm pretty sure that that won't happen, but I can assure that we have open ears and that we value all of the input from our um, patrons as we make this very difficult decision. And that concludes my report, the superintendent. Okay. Any questions for Dr. Southwick? We moved to special presentations and C1, Presentation and Action Student Rights Resolution. Um, I believe uh, Chief Douglas, John Douglas, is coming forward to give us a presentation. Madam President, members of the board, it's my pleasure and opportunity to present to you tonight a Work in progress, uh, an effort we've had ongoing for over or almost the last month, virtually since the last meeting. Uh, and it is a, a resolution which will state our position clearly as it relates to immigration enforcement actions in our camp, on our campuses or around in our schools. You know, last week or last month when we had the board meeting, we had a very robust discussion, a lot of it from a public with great concerns over how immigration and naturalization was currently taking place. And at that meeting, I had the opportunity to speak to seven or eight of our patrons in my office and listen to their concerns specifically. It was a robust discussion in there, too. Uh, and there was a lot discussed. And I came away from that meeting with a couple of, of concerns that they wanted to see addressed and asked me to push forward to the superintendent and hopefully on to the board. And those were two things. Number one, they were hoping for uh, and expecting a resolution which would state clearly that we are a, a school district which values diversity, that values uh, inclusion, and that all of the things that go with that. And in addition to that, uh, with the current state of affairs politically in the country and the, the fact that we have a uh, situation where there's a lot of unsettled and concerned and frankly afraid people. They ask that we reach out and, and make not only the policies and procedures we currently have in place, but make it very clear where we're at in this particular issue. And I pointed out very poignantly, and I haven't changed my mind on that, governmental agencies have to walk a, a very straight line. Uh, political opinions come and they go, and they pull and they tug from both sides. But political opinions cannot be persuasive to governmental entities taking sides and going in these directions. But it doesn't mean that we cannot take care of a people that we are directly responsible to take care of. So having said that, I approached Dr. Henson the very next morning and told him that these two issues seemed to be very important to a lot of people. They were important to me, and I felt they would be important to all of us. And I asked him for permission to move that forward to the board and ask for direction on those two issues. I know in short order, Madam President, that he contacted you and that you directed then and there that we proceed in looking at these things. And we did. In fact, as we went to the preparation of this, I looked at more than five, but specifically five, um, different draft policies. I looked at San Bernardino. I looked at Portland. I looked at Kansas City, Kansas. I looked at Kansas City, Missouri. 
And then we had the opportunity to receive one from El Centro. Let me mention El Centro for a moment. When it came to El Centro, I moved back into my prior life. I've had a great relationship my entire working career with organizations like the NAACP and El Centro and the Muslim Arab community. We had that at Overland Park because it was so necessary to be able to function appropriately as a community who has diversity and diverse individuals. So I went home. I called my friends, my good friends at El Centro, and although the leadership has changed, the spirit has not changed. And I had the opportunity to talk to Irene Caudillo. I probably just murdered Irene's last name, and I apologize, Irene, if that's the case. <laughs> but she reached right back. And we set up an opportunity to establish another ongoing relationship between this board and El Centro. And that's when the president and the vice president and I met with her and her staff to sit down and have a very pleasant and frank discussion over how we can improve communications and work in an area so important to our patrons. And that bore fruit. We came away with their draft. We came away with their assistance. We're in the process right now of setting up some meetings that I can go to, much as I did as a chief of police, and talk to, to, to the affected folks immediately, straight, asking or answering their questions, showing them that there's nothing to fear from us. And I think that's a giant step forward. In a few minutes, I'm going to let Irene comment for herself what she thinks this relationship could be. But in the meantime, I want to address the resolution. I know you're going to read the resolution in its entirety, so I won't do that. But I do want to touch on the important parts of, of the resolution itself and, and answer any questions as we go so you understand the importance of why these, these component pieces are in the resolution. Paragraphs 1 and 2. State the board's philosophy, the fact that our kids matter more to us than anything else. And that's all kids. That's not some kids. That's not these kids or those kids or your kids. These are all of our children. For however they got here is irrelevant. While they're here, there are charges to take care of and educate in the best environment absolutely possible. And that's what this board policy says. In essence, it's that. All children deserve to learn in an academ academic environment free from conflict and those kinds of stresses that the outside world provides. It also talks about the fact that you'll see in here that we will not tolerate prejudice. We will not tolerate intolerance. We will not tolerate bullying or other kinds of things. For whatever reason, despite your political beliefs, despite what other things take place, there is no place for <coughs> psychological or other forms of violence towards anyone. But it's high time that we start treating each other with dignity and respect across the board of this political spectrum. And that's something I believe wholeheartedly. In the third paragraph, it talks about the Board of Education believes that a safe and inviting environment would be disrupted by active enforcement efforts by by um, immigration and naturalization. Now there's a lot of things that can disrupt the academic environment. We try to deal with all of those. But specifically, it's important we address this one. There are many ways to enforce our immigration laws. School is not a place for it. We don't need to put our kids in the middle of that discussion. 
because there are so many other remedies. And because of that, and I think this is very important, this resolution calls upon the Department of Homeland Security to honor its own policy. They tell us, and we've asked them again since then through the District Attorney's Office, to respect the sanctity of the academic environment for those particular places and not carry out enforcement. They have promised us that they would, but we are formally in this document calling upon them to honor that commitment. The other thing talks about child in need of care. Child in need of care is not arbitrary. It is established by statute. We talked about that last month when I talked about the five ways a person could remove a student from the school, most of which are pretty obscure and almost rarely and very rarely happen. The most common way is when a child becomes, for a lot of reasons, some of them are, are of their own making, but very few, but, but for whatever reason can no longer continue in the relationship with the school that they were at some point. And that can happen, most likely, if their parents are not there to take custody of them. Because we have custody with them all day long. Until the bell rings, we have custody of them. We have great latitude. And when the bell rings, they have to have somewhere safe to go. And if there's no safe place for them to go, we cannot just release them into the ether there's not moral, and it's not ethical, and it's not responsible. So this mechanism was put in place by the state to take them into protective custody. The problem with protective custody is it's never pretty. Because the only people who can take you into protective custody on what tantamounts to an emergency basis is a police officer. So when you have a police officer in a police car coming, taking a small child someplace, it can be a scary event. And I know personally that most every officer I know tries to mitigate that, but it can be a scary event. So what we're looking to do and put in here is that we want to mitigate the traumatic effects to whatever extent is possible. And you can't have a one-fits-all recipe for that. In my professional opinion, you have to handle it on a one-by-one-by-one -one -by -one basis based upon the circumstances that take place then. To that end, I'm directing that the principals contact me or my office, meaning either myself or Captain Schmidt, for hands-on advice on how to handle any child in need of care case from this time forward, including ones brought by other law enforcement agencies. And by the way, ICE can't do child in need of care. That's a statutory thing, but only lo local law enforcement agencies can go. I also want to know if there are agents of any governmental authority, whether they're local police, whether they're ICE, whether they're the FBI, whoever it is, that if they're going to come into our school for any reason, they need to provide us with the proper identification and they need to provide us with the opportunity to seek counsel and to be able to address the situation in the best interest of the child. And we're moving forward with that and putting it in a concept that I can ensure that that takes place. As it has been all along, this formally states that this is not the policy of this school district to ask or ascertain the citizenship or residency as it pertains to citizenship of any student or any child in our district. We haven't done that and we won't do that. That's not a pertinent. It's not something that needs to take place.
I would answer any questions that you might have. I don't have a question, Chief, but I do thank you for reaching out to El Centro and engaging uh, them with this board. Well, I found when I was at Overland Park that a lot of confusing issues could be resolved when the advocacy groups that I worked with became firsthand and, and firsthand knowledgeable with the boards that I, that I worked with. This is a, a learning step, and it's something we went through at Overland Park, and I wanted to see us do the same thing. If there are no questions, I'd like to ask Irene to come up for just a moment and give her comments. Cindy. Thank you. Um, I know from personal experience working in the school district that usually if a child's parent does not show up, that every effort is made to try to call, go through the list, and call the, the relatives that are listed. Is That's pretty correct? That's absolutely correct, and that continues to be our direction. Now, the biggest problem to that is making sure that they have uh, people to, co to contact right. and emergency contacts. We have in our enrollment packet a, re a strong request for people to fill out the emergency contact, and we also have enrollment in Spanish or whatever it can be translated in whatever la uh, language we have. And we have a lot of different languages in the district. But part of what we're going to work on is to work with our families to make sure that everybody understands the importance of having an emergency contact. Because if you don't have an emergency contact and you can't provide for that child at the end of the day, there's very little that we can do except as a child in need of care. Because you have to have a legal basis for how you take custody of that child. And I have one more follow-up. I have found, too, that sometimes when you call a uh, home that may have another language involved when they look at who is calling or that it's in English they won't answer because they can't speak the English no one is there to to transcribe for them or uh, help them understand what is being said so sometimes that's a fear of I don't know what they're saying that's very possible, but we have opportunities to bypass that. We have the English language hotline that we can use in law enforcement. We have, we're lucky. School district has, has uh, Spanish speaking and other language speaking teachers. In fact, uh, I owe a great big lunch to a couple of them who translated the, the um, uh, resolution for us into Spanish so it would be ready in the morning should you approve it. It can go directly out and people can start seeing it. But the most important factor to all of this is to take the scary out of it. Because let's talk about the police. I'm most familiar with that. Some of the countries these, these folks come from are not conducive police environments. They're downright scary. And they're not necessarily honest. And it was a real challenge for us to make those community contacts because we need those community contacts to solve crime and to keep the crime out. We want to have a safe community. The way to do that is to be able to get that information. Now, I take nothing away from the enforcement of our border laws. My opinion is the local police can't do it and shouldn't do it, but that's a different comment for a different time. But I have to have the ability to work with these families to help them solve the issues that they have like everybody else. Thank you. Thank you, Madam President and Board of Education. It is an honor to stand before you today on behalf of El Centro. Uh, El Centro celebrated 40 years of service, about 15, 16 years now here in Johnson County. Um, 
mission basically is to strengthen communities and improve the lives of Latinos and others through economic, social, and educational opportunities. This is scary times. But one of the things that we would like to do is to make sure that, um, and, and on behalf of every student and parent, we are about quality education and making sure people feel comfortable and safe in the environments that they're in. So we are about collaboration. And we have been working with our community um, for almost three months now to really help them understand how to deal with this fear and anxiety. Um, it's not about immigration when it comes to the local community. I think what we're trying to do is to continue to make sure that our families are um, really continuing to do their everyday life, which is often hard. So as a part of our work, um, we are working with parents to really make sure that those emergency contact lists are not only uh, filled out, but it's someone that they can, that can contact in case of any situation. So a part of our, um, what we would love to do with you uh, is not only, as, as the chief said in, in some of the conversations that we've had, um, but also move forward in working with the community um, to, to educate, uh, work with your staff, uh, teachers, if they have any questions or concerns. We've been going into Olathe School District, Kansas City, uh, Kansas School District, and helping them really just kind of deal with the, the student and parent directly. So if they have any questions, we always say contact us. But one of the key things is getting the chief and getting the school district in front of parents to really uh, answer their questions and and get their uh, get the right information um, and make sure that what we can do is really control uh, here locally and uh, we appreciate the opportunity to collaborate and we will continue to work with um, the assistant superintendent and uh, school districts to make sure that this moves smoothly um, that we make sure that parents all parents um, feel comfortable and confident that uh, this too shall pass. Okay. Is there any questions? We thank you for your time too. Madam. Thanks thank for you. being thank with you. us. Thank you. Yes. Lucille. Uh, Madam President, I would move the res um, approval of the following resolution. The Rights of Students and Protocols for the Shawnee Mission School District. Be it resolved that the Board of Education of the Shawnee Mission School District is committed to the success of each and every student in our school system. The mission of the Shawnee Mission School District is to provide an education which fully prepares each student to compete successfully in society and be fully prepared to make productive life decisions. We believe that each and every student has the potential to achieve and that it is the responsibility of our school district to identify, nurture, and support that potential. In order to do that, we respect and insist on a conducive educational environment. That the board believes that the physical safety and emotional well-being of all children in the district depends upon our ensuring that our schools are safe and inviting for all students and their families. The Shawnee Mission School District does not tolerate any form of discrimination, harassment, or bullying, which are board policies AD, JDDC, and JGECA. 
that the Board of Education believes that a safe and inviting environment could be disrupted by the presence of active immigration and naturalization enforcement occurring at a school and during school hours. We also recognize that there are other methods of pursuing enforcement that do not include the interrupting of the sanctity of the school environment. The Board calls upon the Department of Homeland Security to honor its directive of October 24, 2011, policy number 10029.2, prohibiting active enforcement at sensitive locations, which includes schools, absent severe exigent circumstances. That the Board of Education recognizes actions which place a child into a status of child in need of care as defined by state law, Kansas Statute 38-2202, may under some circumstances require that the child be placed into the custody of either state, local, or district police. Should this occur, all efforts must be taken to minimize any traumatic effects on the child. Consequently, it is the direction of the Board of Education that any Immigration and Naturalization Service, INS, employee, whose job responsibilities require that he or she enter any school or district building for the purpose of immigration enforcement, must first notify the office of the superintendent with sufficient time so that the superintendent or his or her designee can take the proper steps to provide for the emotional and physical safety of the students and staff. That the superintendent or his or her designee will require official identification of the agents and a written documentation by an authorized governmental official requiring the removal of any child. It is the policy of the Shawnee Mission School District not to ask about nor provide information about a student's immigration status or that of family members and pursuant to FERPA, the district will not disclose student information or records without parent consent or a court order. In the event that circumstances dictate that a student is subject to the provisions of the Child in Need of Care state statute, parents will be contacted when deemed appropriate by law enforcement. Emergency contacts will be utilized when parents are unavailable. All given care will be all care will be given toward the emotional well-being of students. Second. Thank you, Dr. Denny. Second. We, we have one, oh, Dr. Sorry. Denny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Is there any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Thank you, Chief. We will move on to after I get my computer back here uh, to C two, which is what? I'm oh, sorry, an update. I don't know what I'm hearing. Update on professional learning and cultural competency. Um, Dr. Southwick, do you want to do the introduction? Yes, we've uh, as you know we've had discussion and we were involved um, some time back in terms of some professional development with all of our staff. Um, Dr. Ziegler is here um, also working with that. You might have a couple people here tonight, is that correct? That I do. you might want to introduce that I do. have helped us along the way with this. So look forward to the update. I'm going to ask uh, Liz Meidel and Linda Seek to join me. And we are going to um, 
give you an update. The last time I was with you and Liz and Linda as well at the last board meeting, we gave you an overview and Dr. Neal uh, joined me in this and some of the activities happening across the district that followed up on the work we started with the Character Education Task Force last spring and have now kind of enveloped into what we believe falls under more of the categories of responsive schools and cultural competency. So one of the pieces that we uh, spoke of at the last board meeting was the United Group. And United stands for understanding the necessity for intentional training for empathy and diversity. United is a grassroots effort that is led um, by the very capable uh, leadership here of Linda Seek, our uh, president of NEA Shawnee Mission, and Liz Meidel, a parent and a community partner that is uh, championing the work that we are doing to, again, it's a beautiful segue from the last resolution read, but look at all ways that we are meeting the needs of our students. You know, we have the motto, all means all. Are we seeing our students and our families? Are we recognizing their needs? And are we preparing our teachers for what those needs look like across our schools, our classrooms, and our learning community as a whole? So United uh, just conducted their first professional learning opportunity and facilitated a great um, opportunity for learning across our district on April 14th. And I've asked Liz and Linda to join me up here and talk a little bit about the experiences that we witnessed uh, as those activities were happening throughout the district. And Liz and Linda joined our administrative team prior to the 14th and provided an overview of the work and an update for our building leaders and also shared a number of activities that this great group of teacher leaders across our district have come together and provided in this really building, lead, uh, building leadership um, and learning uh, endeavor. So I'm gonna turn over to Liz and Linda and have them share a little bit about what happened on the 14th because it was fantastic. Good evening. I'll just speak for a moment and then pass it over to Liz. But I had the opportunity on April 14th, as uh, staff did all across the district in almost every building, um, to participate with my colleagues um, in various activities and great dialogue about how we as a staff dig deep to um, discover the resources that we need to make sure that our classrooms are safe um, inclusive places for all the students in, in our district. And um, I can say on behalf, I spent the morning at Shawnee Mission East, which is, is my, morning, my morning base, and through the various activities we, we had that day, we had the opportunity to really spend time with one another. Uh, those of us in the classroom don't have a lot of time just to really connect on a personal level with our colleagues, but it gave us the opportunity through various activities to really have dialogue um, and to consider the ways that we're alike, but also the ways that we are different. And through those activities and that dialogue, we really began to build a sense of community as we um, feel that this work is gonna be very important moving forward. Um, excited for how we can grow as professionals um, and really um, do what's right for the kids in our classroom. And so I'm going to give you just a quick overview of what the day looked like so that you're familiar with where we started so that when we give you updates about where we're headed and what happens next, you'll understand where we started. What, the last time I was here, I told you about the incredible bravery and courage and um, amazing dedication of the teacher facilitators from every building that I'd been working with and Linda had been working with and Dr. Ziegler and Dr. Neal prior to our April 14th training. And then those amazing people took 
that training and went into the, all of the buildings. And Linda said almost all the buildings. It's because we have three that are going to do it on May 5th. But all of the buildings are going to participate. And the facilitators took um, a survey that we had all developed together, and they took these activities that were meant to help the, the individual schools identify what was most needed for their teachers' professional development, so individualized at the, at the building level and the, around cultural competency. And so it was built around um, the cultural competencies of race and ethnicity, um, religion, poverty, um, citizenship status, disability, and personal culture. And they did these activities, um, and they took the survey so that we could figure out what each building wanted to focus on. And I got to be in five different buildings while they did this work on April 14th. And I have to tell you that I'm even more amazed at how, um, at, at how brilliant and caring and dedicated and honest these teachers in this district are. And the level of, again, vulnerability and bravery that I saw and that everybody, I think the facilitator saw it too, that was put into these activities was humbling. And so we're extremely grateful to have had this opportunity to kick off United with the support of the district. Um, and we're really looking forward to seeing what happens next. The, we're looking forward to having professional development over the summer and professional learning opportunities over the next several years as we continue to develop professional learning opportunities for all of the teachers and hopefully even the classified staff in the district. Um, are there any questions about the work we did? <coughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, Ms. Neighbor, were the teachers excited? <laughs> I think, um, I'll be, let's be totally honest, this is scary work. And so some of the teachers were excited, and some of the teachers were scared, and some of the teachers were intimidated, and, um, and some of the teachers were so emotionally moved by it that they ended up in tears. I, I ended up hugging several people who were crying because it was the first opportunity or it was one of the more moving opportunities that they've had to discuss what it means to be a teacher who's working in an environment that none of us could have predicted 20 years ago. You know, when, when teachers went to school to become teachers, they didn't know that they'd end up in buildings with one-to-one -one technology, and that's a joy, right? And they didn't know that they would end up in buildings um, with all kinds of things going on that we, didn't, we couldn't have predicted. But what nobody probably saw coming was how different was going to become something that we could value rather than something that we would consider a, a challenge or a barrier. And that's where we are. We're at a place where diversity is our greatest gift. And these teachers were excited for the opportunity to talk about that. Um, but they're scared. And I think it's not, that's not Shawnee Mission, just that's teachers all over the country. And it's, it's a hard time to be a teacher. And, there's nobody more prepared to do this work than the teachers of Shawnee Mission School District. And you are a volunteer. I am completely a volunteer. If you'd like to pay me, though, um, <laughs> I'm open to that. But for right now, no, I'm our line. Yeah. I am. I am. I have. I have a kindergartner and a third grader in the district, and I just think this is really important work. 
Exactly. And so that's why we're here. Ms. I just, your last comment was, and we're going to also include the classified staff, is huge because that they're a definite part of the culture of any building and um, the empathy that's provided to the kids in that building. So I'm really glad to hear that statement come at the end. Well, I think it's a critical piece. Absolutely. Mr. Stratton. I would encourage you to listen on our behalf, too, of opportunities for us to engage in this process. Mm -hmm. At the oh, right point, so at, the, at the right uh, moment, uh, where we can uh, be a positive interaction in this process, too, because what you're having is a conversation that's really healthy across the entire district, and uh, we want to be an active part of that conversation, too. So let us know. Thank you. Absolutely. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you. Dr. Ziegler. You're welcome to stay with you. Um, and I would just echo, I think the greater, um, the greatest piece is not only taking this work and continuing it with all, all meaning all, of our students' support, all of our staff, but how do we continue the conversation across all of our communities as well? So thinking back to the last conversation we had and what Sue Ellen Freed has brought to us and spoken with our PTAs is continuing to find the ways to continue this dialogue with our communities so that we're not leaving anyone out of the conversation. So I appreciate the comments greatly. So where do we go next? So we've got, we've got a few things left to do. So we're not, we're not finished yet. Um, but in most immediate, um, we're going to take advantage of an opportunity to bring our building leadership teams together. Um, growing those building leadership teams and strengthening them was part of our strategic plan that we are on the journey for right now. And so it, before we conclude the month of May, um, Dr. Hubbard's team is facilitating a summit and mindset to movement. We're about continuous growth, continuous improvement. So bringing those leadership teams together, building principals and teacher leaders, to uh, learn a little bit about the new systems for accreditation, the KISA model, which has five different components, one of them being responsive culture, another being relationships, rigor, relevance, so forth. So we're going to learn about that together, but we're also going to have an opportunity to look at our individual building data and the needs and the survey that Liz um, spoke of. That will be one of the data points that our teams will be able to work around on that date coming up here in May before we leave for summer formally. So that will then springboard into professional development goal setting for the coming year based on individual needs identified by the building leadership teams. So we're excited about having that data captured and uh, that's, that's a great resource for us. We'll also be working to convene a district team that will form based on what I shared with you at the last meeting and then the work that's continued around a responsive culture. And that's bringing together all of the folks that are doing work in our district in this important area. People like Bernard Franklin and the work he's doing on trauma-sensitive school support, uh, the work that Rob Bell and Shelby Rebeck are doing around all uh, types of community resource support and identifying those resources and bringing them in to support family needs and also the health services needs. The group of uh, United Leadership will join us in that team and also uh, reaching out to our partnership through K-State and the work that Dr. Herrera has been doing on um, cultural and linguistically diverse learners. So that will be another step that we are looking to identify that first team meeting to bring all those pieces together before we conclude the school year. That's our goal. A lot of work to happen over the summer and we look forward to coming back with another update as we begin the next school year. Any additional questions I'm happy to take, but I thank you for the time to update you. Thank you. Great work. C3, update on middle school sports, Dr. Southwick. Do you want to introduce or do you want yes, to? Yes, uh, I think 
Richard Kramer is here, going to give us an update. I think some exciting information on our middle school sports program. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Madam President, Board of Education, Dr. Southwick, Dr. Strike, and everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here tonight uh, because this initiative was started three years ago. This is our third year. Part of Dr. Henson's vision was to create a competitive program but also provide an opportunity for our kids to participate, learn sportsmanship, but also learn to be competitive at the same time as they go to the high school. And uh, I'm here to report tonight that there's very good news as we progress in our program at the middle school level. So I can go through a few slides with you tonight. Uh, first of all, I'd like to introduce Jennifer Sanborn, our marketing manager for First National Bank. Without Jennifer's commitment, without Jennifer's commitment and the commitment of First National Bank, um, we may not be as far as we are today without their help, not only financially, but uh, they're great supporters of wanting to see our kids excel and be important and have a place to participate and be a m member of a program. There's more than just being out for a sport. It's also learning to be a member of a, of a team and an activity. So Jennifer, thank you very much on First National Bank. Tonight we're going to talk about our student athletic count by school. I'll let you see where that three-year number is, how we have increased the numbers at all five uh, middle schools, talk about our positives and accomplishments that we have uh, done, and then opportunities for the future of our middle school sports. Um, it's kind of hard to see, but uh, 14 and 15 was the first school year that we had middle school uh, activities. And we had uh, wrestling and cross country. We had uh, boys and girls basketball. And we had um, volleyball. You can see that the numbers have increased in each middle school, anywhere from uh, high teens to the high 70s. Uh, so it's working. We're getting our kids involved. And every year, the value of that involvement at the middle school level for our students is increasing because they see that there's value not only to the academic study part of their um, studies, but being a part of something and helping create, and I'll show later, some discipline in their academics of having to be eligible and having to keep up their grades and, and keep up their testing. So um, it's a good sight to see the numbers increasing, and especially um, those that are now up in the upper 70s just in three years. Uh, and those numbers will continue to grow, I have no doubt, along with the support of, of the Board of Education, Dr. Henson, and, and the Cabinet, because they, we want to see this work. We want our kids to have a place to participate. Some of our positives and accomplishments, obviously, it's the first uh, National Bank sponsorship. They have sponsored and given us well over uh, $50,000 to put towards our program, uh, and we look forward to that continued support uh, from First National Bank. We, like we just said, we've had outstanding student participation, but we're not happy. We want it to grow, and we want it to continue to, to see those numbers increase. Of course, we have excellent facilities in, in, the, in the vision of Dr. Henson and the Board of Education to create the second gymnasiums and the synthetic turf fields that we have at the middle school will only increase uh, the experience for our students. Uh, we're going to add athletic training services next year with the KU Sports Medicine and Performance Center. 
as you know, now we have high school that has athletic training services. Uh, now we're going to add that to the middle school piece. Uh, we're talking 21st century skills uh, where students, and, and they learn teamwork, leadership, communication, and character education about that sportsmanship is critical in, in creating and fostering a well-rounded experience at the middle school. Academics I'm really excited about because not only do we do quarter eligibility at the middle school level, but we also use our new Skyward information system, and we have what we call live eligibility, where every day a student's grades are reported to the coach and to the administrator. They have to be passing to meet that CASIA standard. So not only are we doing it quarterly, we're doing it every day. And that student has an opportunity to create a relationship with their coach and their teachers into keeping up their work academically, which is so important. That will have a really a positive effect on, on their academics. We offer six championships, boys and girls, cross country, wrestling, girls and boys basketball and volleyball. Uh, Jen handed out the trophy and the medals at the boys basketball championship. And we look forward to having Jen do that at our other championships. So you can see there's a lot going on and a lot of things that we've accomplished, but there's a lot more to go. Uh, things that we look at as opportunities for us at the middle school level is providing adequate practice and playing time for our students. It's becoming so popular and our numbers are becoming large and our teams are increasing is uh, working out and finding that time uh, for more students to want to participate in our programs. The number of teams in basketball and volleyball, if you'll notice that basketball well, highly participated. Volleyball may be our highest participation sport. Well over 100 in a number of schools. That creates a large number of teams. And what a great opportunity. But with that comes maybe creating and being problem solvers and how do we create extra practice time. And so we got to look at that. But it's a, it's a pleasant problem to have. Uh, we're looking at adding additional sports. A lot of things are on the table. We'd like to add, you know, right off the bat, seventh grade basketball for both boys and girls. We've got these new turf fields, so soccer's obviously in there. There's lots of opportunities. I'm sure those discussions will happen in the near future with a lot of stakeholders. Uh, storage concerns as we grow, you know, more uniforms, more equipment. Recruiting and retraining quality coaches, just like we have at the high school, we have that same issue at the middle school, is finding those quality coaches that want to continue and stay active uh, in that and trying to find more uh, staff members teachers that want to participate and coach uh, in their respective buildings. Uh, budget's always a concern, but like I said, First National Bank has done a great job of helping us there, and uh, we're in, in good shape thanks to them. And then we just um, became members of Keisha this year, so we're thinking about aligning our seasons with Keisha. And I know that would be a welcome maybe for some sports because right now we're out of sync. Volleyball is for us a spring sport. For Keisha, it's a fall sport. So there's some things that we have to tweak, but again, those will be discussions at the building level with principals and at the cabinet level uh, where we go with that. And that is kind of gives you a, a brief update of where we are. We're doing well. We're, we're meeting that goal of participation at the middle schools. So I'm really excited as we continue that things will get better and our numbers will grow. And I hope that when I come back here next year, those numbers will even be higher. So any questions? Yes. Um, 
you spoke about we're in off seasons to what the high school uh -huh. Acacia seasons are and stuff. It, so those will be changing, like volleyball will be changing or not? The goal is to look at aligning them with Acacia. Okay. We still have to discuss with the building principals what that does to our current coaches. Do we lose them? Do we how do we gain them? So there's still a lot of things on that table. So that's yet to be decided, but certainly on the on the dialogue. Because that was kind of my question, because I know that some of the high school coaches are active in like participating yes. in in those um, the leagues as they're going on in in their respective seasons there. So I didn't know if that. And was that's what we have to weigh the ramifications of changing versus keeping it the same. Right. But are the high school coaches quite involved with that? That's kind of what I understood. They'll be part of that discussion. Okay. Uh, right now, they're not too involved in where that alignment of the of the seasons are, but certainly would be because some of those high school coaches are helping coach That's what at I'm that talking. level. Yes. So that would be right. something we would have to look at. Thank you. Ms. Mack. Um, thank you. I just wanted to point out that some of those numbers, they are just 8th grade or they are both 7th yes. and 8th grade. So um, the second thing I wanted to point out was I see a couple of our middle school principals back there. And I was at Trail Ridge the other day and saw this in action where um, hopefully behavior of one particular student I've been aligned with for several years on a volunteer basis, his um, things will change because then that will make him academically eligible to play. And I, when you see it in action right in front of your eyes at the middle school level where a child is 11, 12, 13 years old, and they see that and they get that first time team experience it's very powerful so it thank is. you and thank you to our building principals they have a lot mr sig you were amazing the other day thank you and they've done a terrific job thank you yes mr. oh i'm sorry um uh, mr stratton go ahead <laughs> no, uh, a quick a question about club sports so we've enculturated this community to think we'll we'll go ahead and take them from nine on so this change has affected the club sport interaction do you have any updates on that and is this a couple of generations of students that need to go through well that's a great question because if you're out for a club sport you can't participate mm -hmm. on that middle school team if it's mm -hmm. in that season mm -hmm. so that would kind of address aligning some of these with the Acacia seasons mm -hmm. uh, so yes it has had a, a small effect because some have chosen not to participate <laughs> on their middle school team to stay with their club team mm -hmm. and that is something we want to work at because we want to get give our kids a possibility to play for a school team and not just a club team and i think that's really important is to create ownership at their buildings and they're playing for what's their name of their school mm -hmm. and so that is part of that puzzle of trying to find out where that best fits in our alignment of the season in a perfect world we could we could partner with them yes i know that ultimately there's competition as well but i encourage you to find ways to partner too that's a good point Ms. neighbor Thank you. I think there were three of us on this board when middle school athletics were cut, and that was Donna, Craig, and myself. And um, the community was uh, shared their voices with us uh, greatly. And so at this point, I'd like to say we listened. It's back, and it's going to grow and uh, hopefully as the seasons going, go on, we'll be able to get more teams out there and more children involvement because some of them, for some, this is the best thing about their world all through school. Absolutely. And not that academics shouldn't be first. But anyway, it's uh, just to let the, the audience know that we heard you. Thank you. Anything else? 
Any questions? Thank okay. you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for the presentation. Okay, D1, we move to procedure, uh, for, to open forum. Open for, uh, forum occurs at every regularly scheduled monthly Board of Education meeting and provides a time for individuals to address the board regarding school district issues. Whether you plan to speak or just listen, we're glad you're, you are here because we care about the opinions and concerns of, of our patrons. Although the board encourages public involvement through pu open forum, patrons are asked to first go through regular school channels to obtain a response to questions or, or concerns. Our speakers tonight have followed our procedure by completing a request card prior to the start of our meeting. If you have written materials you would like to provide the board, please leave them with the clerk of the board and she will <coughs> distribute them. We have a few reminders about open forum that will help our speakers have a constructive and positive experience when presenting their comments to the board. When making your remarks, please be civil, use respect respectful language, and refrain from any personal attacks. Discussion of matters related to a specific student or employee is not allowed. Instead, these comments should be submitted in writing to the superintendent. We ask that you limit your comments to three minutes and avoid, I think we have, let's see, we have six speakers, six speakers tonight, yeah, so three minutes, and avoid repeating the concerns of a previous speaker. The board will not give a response to your comments, but if you have questions that require a response, know that someone will follow up with you at a later time. When your name is called, please proceed to the podium and share with us your name and address, the schools your children attend, and the name of any group or organizations you are representing. Finally, please make your comments while remaining behind the podium. Okay, so with that said, we have speaker number one is Terry Stickley. We've got the box ready to go. I think Okay. Madam President, members of the board, thank you so much for this opportunity to address you this evening. My name is Terry Stickley, and I'm supposed to give my address. Is that correct? 16900 West 84th Street, Lenexa. I'm having a hard time hearing I'm sorry. Yeah, is that you. better? There you go. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm here this evening to discuss the memorandum of understanding that's required by the recently passed Senate Bill 367. The Senate bill requires that the um, board develop a memorandum of understanding to um, help curb the um, the referrals from the school into the juvenile justice system. So um, I have some recommendations that I'd like to present to help that memorandum of understanding become a robust document. And I think it provides a unique opportunity for the district to create its own guidelines for how and when those referrals are made and be in compliance with the recently passed Senate Bill 367 to reduce those referrals. Can everybody hear me? Yes. yes. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. The first thing I'd like to request is a recommendation for better parent education. I think that whatever policies are in place for the school district, that parents need to be um, informed at orientations in part of the handbook. It needs to be very clear what the um, guidelines are for when students will be referred and what those policies and procedures look like. Um, part of the reason that I think that's so important is because the vast majority, uh, 100% of the parents in the district that I've spoken to personally and myself included are not aware that parental representation is Kansas law does not mandate parental representation for students when they're being questioned by law enforcement in a in a criminal investigation for students that are 14, 15, 16 and 17. I I can't understand why under the age of 14 you know, a, having a parental advocate is required over the age. It, it's not. That, that doesn't make sense to me. So I'd like to uh, request that the MOU include 
mandatory parental presence. You have to have some advocate for the student there when they're being questioned by police officers. Um, also, Miranda rights. I think that should be in the MOU, that all students should be receive their Miranda rights. That's vital. Um, I'd also uh, like to submit some best practices flowcharts from other memorandums of understanding from other school districts that have worked. And I've had the pleasure of sharing this information with John Douglas on a couple of occasions, and I appreciate your time so much, Mr. Douglas, to, to meet with me. Um, so I have more detailed remarks that I'm going to give to Terry to share with you all, but it, since I have 28 seconds left, <laughs> I just wanted to um, – I also have some um, – some research documenting why this is so, so very important. The negative impacts of interactions with law enforcement in our schools are significant, they are long-term, and they are far-reaching. I think we owe our students to do the very best we can to reduce those referrals. Thank you so much. Thank you. So just give... Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Tiffany Johnson. Hello, my name is Tiffany Johnson. I live at 5203 West 80th Terrace. Um, I have a child at Briarwood and a child at Indian Hills for about a month in the East. Um, <laughs> so thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, I'm here to address the process for hiring a new superintendent. Um, and I would like to urge you to not rush the process um, and to please wait until after the November elections to really begin the process. Um, the community, um, as we've seen at open forums recently, has significant questions and concerns regarding a number of the decisions that have been made under Dr. Henson's tenure. Um, it feels like the trust between the community and the district has been damaged. And I'm hopeful that the upcoming elections will allow us to have a dialogue regarding what we want for the future of our district. And so by delaying the hiring process, you can take some time to get parent and community input regarding where we want to go with the district. Um, this input will be, few, will be critical for making decisions regarding hiring the next superintendent. Thank you. Our next speaker is Krista Rupp. I just wanted to real quick um, take a minute to thank you all for everything that you do for us and all the time that you put in, specifically two instances um, from the Trailwood community. One, that you all were very open to listening to um, delaying the demolition for us and being sensitive and open to discussion in that situation, as well as in the second case, also being open and sensitive to an issue with our uh, neighborhood in issues that came up with Trailwood being a split feeder school. And I know that um, it would have been cheaper in the first case and easier in the second case to just move forward as planned, but you didn't. You were open to meeting and discussing and problem solving and um, brainstorming and coming up with solutions to fit our community, and I really appreciate that. And I think the fact that you guys are Asking for input on boundary changes is huge because you know, I know that that is a hard thing to do, but you're even open for um, discussion on boundary changes. And like Mr. D Douglas talked about treating each other with dignity and respect, 
I, even though sometimes I don't agree with actions that you all take, I always respect and appreciate the time that you put in and those, and I know that you all have the best interest of our district in mind. So I just wanted to thank you all for your time. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Tucker Poling. My name is Tucker Poling. Uh, my address is 3321 West 74th Street in Prairie Village. Um, first of all, I'd like to echo uh, the statements made by Tiffany Johnson. Uh, I urge you all to please don't rush the process of uh, searching and, and looking for a new superintendent. Um, as you all have probably noticed, uh, there is an unprecedented level of public engagement um, uh, in both um, local governmental issues and in, in local school district issues. So please um, honor that engagement by, by uh, waiting until after the November elections to um, proceed with the superintendent search. I actually came here today to talk about the uh, innovative, school, innovative schools experiment that I asked you all about last time, but as I was sitting there, I got a message um, from some a couple student journalists at Shawnee Mission East who asked me to read a statement, and I'll give deference to them. Their names are Robbie Vaglin and Emily Fay, uh, two student journalists at Shawnee Mission East for the Shawnee Mission East Harbinger. And this is their statement. We regret that neither of us were able to attend this meeting tonight. As I am sure all of the parents in the audience know, high school students' sports schedules don't exactly allow for a lot of free time. When we first heard about the incident at Briarwood Elementary about two weeks before we wrote our article, all we could think about is why we didn't hear about it sooner. We felt that this issue was something that should be communicated to the entire district, and were disappointed that after almost two months, most in our community had no idea it happened, and those who did were left unclear of many of the facts. Through the process of writing our story, it became clear to us that this incident raised further questions about a lack of communication from the district and highlighted some missed opportunities to reassure students and their families of their safety. We feel like this policy change is one that will help many undocumented students in this district. From speaking to a few at our own school, we gained a perspective of how hard it truly is to be not only an immigrant, but an immigrant child who is forced to bear the consequences with little to no control over their own status. From speaking to other district's board members who passed similar policies, we realized that this policy change wouldn't have kept this incident from happening and that it won't change the way it's handled in the future. But we also realized that in the wake of a policy breach that left a third grade boy terrified, a compassionate and genuine approach was needed to handle the aftermath, not a practical one. David Smith, the director of communications for the KCK district, talked about how he has seen mothers terrified to send their children to school for fear that they'd be taken away. Mr. Catalina, Polling, Mr. Polling, your time's up. Can you send it, that to us? I, Can you send that to the board clerk? Mrs. Goodburn, uh, there's probably only 30 seconds left. May I finish the student statement? Well, if I allow you to do it, then that's the problem, is it? Well... Okay. All right. Somebody feed 30 seconds. Okay. Thank you. Okay. 
I'm just trying to be fair. I, I understand. You and understand? I, this okay. is, I didn't, I'm sorry. I'm they, just trying to be fair. I just want to make sure these students are heard. Okay. Uh, David Smith, the director of, the, of communication for the KCK district, talked about how he has seen mothers terrified to send their children to school for fear that they'd be taken away. Catalina Velarde, the lawyer of the Briarwood family impacted, talked about the emotional toll this incident has taken on their family. And Doug Benny from the ACLU talked about how many of these immigrant families are unaware of ICE's policies and how reiterating policy would only help to calm the concerns of families who need anything but more concerns. We aren't trying to say that the district is not trying to do their best to protect their kids. As students in the Shawnee Mission School District ourselves, we feel safe every day. But we see no reason why we shouldn't use any means necessary to make sure every single student feels that way. So we genuinely thank you for doing the right thing and voting to pass this resolution. This is a great positive step in helping to give immigrant families in our district peace of mind and to reassure them that their children will be safe and welcome when they come to class. Thank you for your time, Robbie Vaglin and Emily Fay. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, next speaker is Stacy Hetz. Hi, good evening. My name is Stacy Hetz. I live at 10313 West 89th Street, Novelum Park. Before I read it, I want to say I agree with Tiffany. Please um, wait till the after election to um, go for the new uh, superintendent. Okay. A question about the evidence used to evaluate the innovative school model prior to implementing it at Rising Star was raised at the last board meeting. The board's response was as follows. The process to determine which schools will be made into innovative schools involves assessing the demographics of the surrounding community, the performance level of the student body and the culture of the school. Every strategy applied to creating an innovative school is research-based and has been proven at other school districts around the country. I am a parent of two Apache IS students, a kindergartner and a third grader, so my children went to the school prior to becoming an uh, innovative school. So I think I have some knowledge on this. Um, my question is how you have been able to ascertain the performance level of the student body. It has not even been implemented for a full year, and statewide testing only occurred this month. Where is the evidence that this program is working in Apache? If it has truly been successful, I would think that this information would be shared with the parents, staff, and stakeholders. You also state that it has worked in other districts around the country, but that fact is actually controversial. Many schools which have used the program in both the states of Iowa and New Hampshire have now discontinued using Daggett's methods. All that I'm asking of the board is to take the time to carefully consider the success at Apache before expanding the programs throughout the district. Thank you. Okay, um, and our next speaker is Dean Quick. Madam President, Board of Education, Dr. Strike, and Dr. Southwick. I second that. I'm, uh, I have children at Rising Star, and I'm also concerned about the innovative school approach. But that's not really why I'm here. Uh, my concern is with the boundaries in general of the elementary schools in the areas of I-35 from 67th Street to 87th Street all the way west to I-435. Overall, this is not a large area, namely the schools of McCulloch, Rising Star, Mill Creek, and Shawnee, Shawano, excuse me. These schools are between one and a half and two miles from each other. I'm about to read some stats that were distributed <coughs> at the April Boundary Review 
at Shawnee Mission Northwest. These are projected stats after the proposed boundary changes. Krista McAuliffe, 79% white, 21% non-white, uh, free and reduced lunch, 15%, Mill Creek, 77% white, 23% non-white, 17% free and reduced lunch. Rising Star, 49% white, 51% non-white, 52% free and reduced lunch. Shawano, 16% white, 84% non-white, 81% free and reduced lunch. In keeping with the idea of the community schools, there are some areas where I, I wonder why we have the matches with the schools and the students at the schools. For example, Lenexa Point Apartments at 77th and Quivira are still going to Rising Star, which is about three miles away. While there are three schools closer, with the closest being Mill Creek at one mile away. Why were 85 students living in the Meadows Apartments at 76th and Quivira moved from Rising Star to Shawano? while 74 students living in single-family residential homes moved from Shawano to Mill Creek. Why do students that live in single-family homes that can currently walk to Rising Star that live just on the south side of 87th Street get moved to a school further away? Seven Hill subdivisions at 71st and Flum now go to McAuliffe, about three miles away from the school. It appears, based on a review of the demographics and the schools, that there's that, the, that these schools service, that there is segregating of socio, socioeconomic and racial groups into certain schools, namely Shawano and Rising Star. I don't know why. This is occurring in 2017 in Johnson County, Kansas. We have several Supreme Court decisions, Brown versus DeBoard, Board, Topeka Board of Education and Keyes versus Denver in 1973. I'm asking for a very comprehensive review of the boundaries to ensure students are not being discriminated against due to race, socioeconomic status, and that all students have the opportunity to attend a community school and have a real sense of community and learning in their school family. I look forward to your response. I want to thank, thank everyone for participating this evening. If you did answer questions, we will get back with you. Um, and the Board of Education welcomes and appreciates your interest in the Shawnee Mission School di District as we continually strive to provide the very best education possible to our students. So this ends open forum. We go on to the regular business of our meeting. I'm going to wait till some people leave sometimes right after that. Thank you all for your patience. Just let them okay, so we have E1, the approval of minutes from the regular meeting of March 27, 2017. So moved. Second. Thank you, Dr. Denny. Thank you, Ms. Neighbor. Do we have any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. The adoption of the agenda is F1. I will entertain a motion. Move to adopt. Um, thank Second. you, Mr. Stratton. Thank you, Ms. Sela. Is there any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? 
Motion carries 7-0. G1 is the uh, approval of routine business by consent. I move for approval of routine business by consent. Thank you, Ms. Mayor. Second. Thank you. I think I heard Ms. Neighbor. Did I hear Ms. Neighbor? Go for it, Donna. Okay, I heard Ms. Bisfield. <laughs> Bisfield. Okay. All right. Um, is there any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7 0. Okay, so that moves us down. Okay, recommended for action. We have N1, Action Administrative Service, the approval to purchase anatomage and. Anatomage. I have I Dr. have Southwick. the same problem. Anatomage. <laughs> 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 um, but to help us all, I'm going to ask Dr. Ziegler to come forward. And I know uh, we also have a member uh, that has very much supported us from the foundation. And I'm sure that she'll mention. But this is an exciting purchase that we have that we ask you to make tonight. Good evening again. So about a year ago, we had the opportunity to preview the anatomage table um, through Wait, one of our again? <laughs> anatomage. Anatomage. Thank you. Um, this is an amazing piece of technology that we would like to purchase. Um, and with great thanks to our Education Foundation partners for the dollars that were uh, given to the district for the purchase of the table. The table uh, is a multi-touch surface that will allow for the exploration of anatomy and physiology. Uh, we will house it at the center uh, in the signature program, so it will be housed in the student wing and used in our medical health science and also our biotechnology programs. Um, we're talking with the teachers who are very excited to have the technology available for student exploration. Um, we also will be facilitating some opportunities for younger students and students in other schools to come over, and we want the center to be a field trip destination, so multiple ages will be able to take advantage of the technology and workshops that we'll provide for them across the learning community. So um, the information before you for consideration is to uh, grant the approval to move forward with the acquisition of the table, uh, not to exceed 72421 and again, with great thanks to our Education Foundation partners. Move approval. Thank you, Ms. Bisfield. Second. Thank you, Ms. Sela. Is there any discussion? Well, I'll say it. We actually saw this. We did, we saw did see this when we were uh, at NSBA um, a, uh, a few, uh, what, about a month ago. And um, uh, it was just amazing. We saw a demonstration. We saw it in the, in the fair where they have all the vendors and stuff. And we're like, wait, wait, there's the table. So we went over, and she gave, they gave us a fantastic demonstration of this table, and um, it was really uh, fascinating, all the different things. We were actually absolutely mesmerized. I was, at least. I, don't, I can't speak for you all, but um, if you want to chime in at all, more than feel Well, more it's not to. just, you know, the human cadaver, basically, that you could dissect there, but it was like 20-some different animals, I believe, okay. too, can use, and they can twist and turn and zoom in and... It will be a great tool for our kids, absolutely. It was a subject of a super chat at Indian Hills yes, last year. Is that right? mm -hmm. Yes, it was. A lot of us saw it there. <clears throat> I, we, we Skyped. They kind of Skyped gentleman. in, yeah. yes, their demonstration of it. Very yeah. impressive. Mr. Stratton. All I kept thinking about was the envy of the students at KU Med and some of those places. Uh, <laughs> yeah. because these students are going to have state-of-the-art equipment uh, thanks to our Education Foundation. Excellent. And it looks so user-friendly that I think I could actually uh, use the equipment. So it was... Uh, 
we look forward to sharing it with the public. Again, thank you for the funding from the Education Foundation and all the donors to the foundation. We appreciate that. Only one person can touch it at a time, though. We found that out while we were there. If you touch it anywhere on the screen, it kind of stops motion. But very exciting. And I think we're like like the second high school or the second district in the country to have that available for their students. I mean, it's it was a very, very small number, anyway, that offered that. So we're very proud to have it. Okay, will we have any other discussion prior to voting? Okay. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Wonderful. I look forward to seeing it. Okay, so we have now um, 01, which is Action Human Resources. Dr. Southwick? Yes, I'd ask Dr. Summer to come forward, um, talk to us about entering into an agreement with Kelly Services for staffing. He's got some of his staff with him tonight. <laughs> Joined by my colleagues here, uh, Dr. Lachelle Sig, Director of Human Resources, and Michelle Morse, Coordinator of Classified Staff. Uh, thank you for your time this evening. Appreciate it very much. I know it's not typical that you get a nine-page board report from the Human Resources Department, uh, but it was a reflection of our efforts to be very thorough in this matter uh, because it does signify a significant change in some of our practices. I'm going to take a step back before we take a step forward on this issue and talk about tonight's meeting and what an amazing snapshot it provides of everything it takes to provide a quality service and opportunity for our students. I mean, just tonight we've talked about new facilities. We've talked about uh, safety and security for our students. Uh, we've talked about extracurricular activities. Uh, we've talked about the United uh, promotion that's going on. I know you'll talk about refresh technology, all incredible services aimed at providing great opportunities for our kids. Selfishly, in the Human Resources Department, uh, we believe the cornerstone to what we try to do is to ensure that we have a quality, kind, well-prepared adult in every classroom every day to greet and work with our students. And uh, this is the thing, though, even with quality, kind, well-prepared adults, is they get sick. Uh, they have kiddos that get sick. They have spouses and parents that become ill. Um, they want to participate in extra uh, professional development opportunities outside of the classroom. And you know what? Sometimes they just need a day to catch up with life. And these are all things we want our staff members to have an opportunity to do. Uh, I believe Liz, if Liz is still here, she talked about what a difficult time it is to be a teacher. And it is. And obviously everyone on the panel this evening understands and recognizes that. But teachers need time. And we want them to take that time because you can't serve others well unless you're taking care of yourself also. And so we fortunately have a wonderful leave policy here in the district, and we encourage staff to take advantage of it. But what we find is that for staff to be willing to do so, to put themselves first on occasion, they have to have the peace of mind and confidence that in their absence, someone just like them will be standing in front of their students. And we're fortunate we have that. We have a quality pool of dedicated substitutes. But what we find is, at a growing rate, far too often, we are unable to find the quantity of subs that we need. This is, this is not a quality issue. Uh, we have every intent of maintaining the standards and the quality that we place in classrooms when we have substitutes on the district property moving forward. This is, this is primarily a quantity issue where the way we're staffed, the procedures we follow, we cannot keep pace with the demand. And the complaint is not on the demand. Again, we encourage, we support our staff taking time. Uh, but we spent now 
almost two years observing the processes and the practices that we have in place, and we spent the last four months really diving into potential solutions. And after doing so, and providing the information you've seen in our written report, we are convinced that our best opportunity to maintain our standards and provide peace of mind for our staff is to partner with an outside source, in this case Kelly Educational Staffing, to manage our substitute services. We can do so at a level that we believe will enhance the process and also be very cost effective. So we've been able to find a solution that is cost effective and we think service effective. And we're recommending that action tonight. Be happy to answer any questions you have or anything you guys would like to share. Um, the pool of, of substitutes that we now have for sure. Shawnee Mission, what, what is the course that they would take with this Absolutely. outsourcing? Our, our, our agreement with Kelly would include a provision that all current subs would be transitioned into their pool of substitutes. And the only thing that they would have to comply with is what they would comply with with us as well would be an annual background check. Uh, that they would immediately transition into that pool of available subs and they would be onboarded just like any other new sub that's recruited to the district. If, if, if our current substitutes want to continue to substitute with us and for us, which we want them to, they will have that absolute opportunity. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Stratton. Uh, a couple of questions. Um, in, the, in the proposal, one of the lines says, a successful proposal uh, to ensure that substitutes would be appropriately licensed to work in the state of Kansas. Yes, sir. Um, I'm still the new guy, so I get to ask these questions. Um, current teacher license versus a sub-license versus a s emergency sub-license. Sure. So in, in the state of Kansas, all of those are appropriate. And, and I, will, I will be honest and tell you that one of our early responses to this issue a year ago was to modify the criteria for subbing in the school district. And, and today and for the last year, emergency sub-licenses have been sufficient and accepted. And, and I would tell you, while... There is great value in having a full teacher license. Some very exceptional substitutes operate every day in our classroom with emergency sub and sub licenses. Uh, it's not for us so much the license that qualifies you, it's the evaluation of your actual performance. And, and while we're fortunate to have teachers and principals who pay very close attention to performance, which we think is a far better measure than the level of certification you have, uh, there are provisions in what Kelly does that will magnify that even to a greater extent that we are not currently staffed to provide. Another couple questions here. Sure, go ahead. Um, you have the floor, Mr. Let's Fred. see. Uh, what, what assurances do we have that they can increase the pool? Is there anything built into the contract that says if they can't refresh and, and provide a pool of applicants, what are, what are the consequences of that in the contract? Well, I would tell you that the greatest safety net we operate with is a 60-day exit clause. Okay. If we find that the service is not sufficient, we have that. Now, I would tell you the best predictor of success with regard to that is through the reference checks we've done. And to a member, uh, the other school districts that we've contacted, rating on a scale of 1 to 10, they were getting 10 pluses on that criteria. Mm -hmm. um, and that was impressive to us. From districts our size and larger, um, 20,000. <laughs> 27,000, 131,000 student school districts who said after hiring and partnering with them, not only did quantity but quality was maintained. Um, folks who said, we can't remember life before this. Um, so those were powerful statements to us. And again, 
we don't want to put too much in other people's experiences. It is, it is a predictor, but trust me, you know, everyone in this room wants a quality teacher in front of their kiddos. At the top of that list would be the three of us. Mr. Stratton, one year versus three year. It, it was a financial consideration. We were able to leverage a better price point uh, by a three-year agreement, even though it still includes a 60-day exit clause, okay. which was a little, little interesting to us, but we were happy to do that. Um, so it, it was. And I, and I think it's based on their confidence that this will be a long-term arrangement. And, and we, were, we were pleasantly pleased to see that that is their confidence level. And then my last question would be uh, the ability to provide this pool uh, with not only the training and then coordinating with Kelly to make sure that the training is efficient or sufficient, but also technology. Because we're asking them to come into an environment that I think might be different than other places that subs might be teaching. You bet. We're on the one-to-one. Are we providing them an opportunity to uh, hit the ground running with providing the tools to, to do that? I'm going, to be, I'm going to be very honest and, and let you know that this is an area we continue to struggle with. Um, we are looking for a solution that will make uh, technology easier to place in the hands of our substitutes. Uh, it has eluded us to this point. Drew's team has been absolutely wonderful about working with us to find an appropriate solution. It is not where it needs to be. That won't fall on Kelly as much as, much as it will fall on us to design the solution. Once we have it, they will easily take over the training portion of that, and, and they stand ready to do that. They do that in a number of school districts now. They may even help us get to a solution with some ideas that they bring from other places, but that's very much on our radar. Is that something we can help with at the board level as we look to refresh the one-to-one? Is that part of that question? You know what? I don't know the answer to that. Drew, Drew likely would. Okay. Uh, I don't know that we have a device quantity issue. I don't, I don't think that's the problem. I think it's the check-in, check-out, access, passwords, who gets rec- Do you get into Skyward access for student records? And if so, how deep? Those are the things we're, we're struggling with. All right. Thank you. Yo, you're very welcome. Dr. Denny. Uh, table one, I think, side-by-side compares PenMac and Kelly. Uh, and they all seem pretty equal. Um, and yet you've recommended one over the other, uh, so there must be some something we're not seeing in that table. That yes, sir. Well, I, I don't know that there's something absent other than the folks at PenMac were amazing. Uh, very, very much uh, communicated a, a passion for what they do and a strong desire to do it with us. Um, those two finalists were close throughout the process. At the end of the day, Kelly had a, a longer standing in the education side of things, and the largest school district that Penn Mac currently serves is 5,700 students. Okay. So it was going to be a massive leap for them, one we believe they could, they could make. But mm-hmm. this is a big leap for us as well. We don't, and want, we thought we don't was, want to be the guinea pig. We don't. We don't. We think they would have worked like crazy to be successful. We think they would. But we wanted to go with somebody who is used to a district this size because it's unique. And, and listen, providing subs for 5,700 kids is one thing. 28,000 is, is a much different thing. And we just felt a, a slight level of confidence beyond Penn Mac with Kelly in that area. Thank you. 
If I may share one last thing, and Absolutely. this is important because I don't want there to be misunderstandings. We currently have two staff members who operate in this sector for us. And I would be remiss if I did not share before stepping away that this is not a quality issue with them either. Uh, we have two people that work their tail off to do this job and have done everything that we've asked to the best of their ability to make this work. It is simply a size issue. And I want to make sure that everyone here, as I think you are, is clear that this issue is not about them. So thank you again for your time. Smack. I move approval of action item 01, approval to enter into a three-year service agreement with Kelly Educational Staffing Services. Second. Second. Smack. Ms. Second. Ms. Neighbor. Thank you, Ms. Neighbor. Any other comments? Ms. Mack. I just want to say I know um, there are many times when teachers will not go home because they don't have a substitute available um, and they're sick. And I mean, it, it happens every day in our district. And I'm excited that um, hopefully this is a solution for that. So thank you for it. bringing it. You're welcome. Thank you for your time. If I might also chime in a little bit, I know I've had uh, the privilege of working with our negotiation team with our teachers um, over the last three years. And during that period of time, this is an issue that's appeared and it appears again this year in terms of what we do to have subs in the classroom and if our teachers have to take their own time, what happens to provide them compensation for that. So part of this issue, um, and I want to thank Doug and his staff for the work that they've done, comes as a result of us continuing to try to address concerns we know we have, um, work with our teachers groups to try to find some solutions. They've been very good working with us and, and we hope this um, improves their setting as we move into next year. So I want to, I just wanted to bring that up. That was a, it is an issue that appears every year and we're going to talk about it again on Wednesday. So um, thank you. Thanks, sir. We have a motion and a second. Any other comments? Okay. All those uh, in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7 0. Mrs. Goodburn? Yes. Mr. I'd Shine. like an opportunity to explain my vote. Absolutely. And that I did come into this meeting not sure, um, and the questions answered were very helpful. Um, I'm not real comfortable with a three year contract. But you've explained it to me that I'll be comfortable with it, and then I think it's up to all of us to be incumbent to watch that each year to make sure that uh, they're providing the services that uh, they're claiming to do in the, in the RFP. So thank you for the background and the help. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Okay, um, we move to action P1, business services, approval to renew full, full its destiny library management software and resource manager annual site licenses. Dr. Yeah. Southwick. These are annual fees that we'd ask you to approve so that we can continue to have good documentation in our media centers and libraries. Um, the total amount we're asking you is $87,175 uh, for the renewal of these licenses. <coughs> covers a period of May 31st of 17 through June 30 of 18. So move. Second, Second. Dr. Denny. I'm going to take Ms. Sela's, I think. I think I have Ms. Sela. Yes. Any comments? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay. Uh, where am I? Yeah, I thought it was. Okay, P2. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, board financial report, Dr. Southwick. Yes, the board financial report, you received that. Um, there was some question. I'm a rookie at these meetings uh, in terms of conducting them, and I noticed that uh, this that I just asked Terry uh, actually shows as a consent item, but it showed here's an action. So um, I'm going to, you have that information, I'll present it to you for your action. Okay. I move approval. Thank you, Ms. Hill. Second. Thank you, Ms. Bisfield. Any comments? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Accepted 7 0. Okay, we have P3, which is the approval of school field fee schedule for the 2017-2018 school year. Dr. Southway. Yeah, so we've had some conversations earlier this year about our rental fees, but now we're bringing our student fees, and I've asked, would ask Russ come forward, um, present those fee schedules and some rationale behind those. And well, Thank you, evening. Mr. Knapp, for being here. Thank you. Um, so for your consideration, these are the district-wide fees for the 17-18 school year. Um, previously, you've, re you've approved course fees that are in the program of studies, so these are beyond that. Um, I won't go through each one, but on the, the uh, attachment to the agenda item, I highlighted the, the fees that have changed. Um, the first one is the food service meals. Breakfasts are going to go up five cents, and lunches are going ten cents. So Nancy has to go through that USDE calculation, and it required them to go up five cents and ten cents. Um, it required an increase last year as well, but we requested a waiver and was granted that last year. So this year we have to have that increase. Um, E-school fees. Going up from 170 to 180, that basically just aligns us with the other districts in the area. Um, we lagged a little bit behind on that. The pre-kindergarten tuition, as you know, you approved last month, uh, expanding the preschool. So this would be the tuition for a kid that does not qualify for any other means. So there will be quite a few other means that uh, pre-K, pre special ed 3 and 4, uh, a few other sources to fund that, but this would be for somebody who doesn't qualify for any of those. The culinary, we're just going to increase one dollar. Um, transportation fees, we put a range. We did this last year as well. Uh, since we have a new bus company, we're still in negotiations with the contract, and we want to get their input on what the cost of those routes are. So we will uh, we'll establish a route. These are for the ones that pay for busing so they're less than two and a half miles and they pay for it busing so we'll establish that fee once we get some input from uh, ds kincaid okay but it'll be within this range um our music rental will go up ten dollars and three dollars those have an increase since 2008 2009 so uh, it's been a while and obviously the price of instruments have increased uh, since that time um we're we did not change the textbook rental. I just wanted to point that out, that it, it's maintained the same as it has in the prior year. We'll charge $80 for secondary only. Uh, no uh, textbook fee for elementary schools. Um, that's about all I was going to touch on, so I would stand for any questions on any of the other fees. I would have a question about the next one, which was the tuition F1 visa foreign exchange students. Can you explain that? That's a that's, that's a ca that's a calculation I have to do each year, and it's based on your operating costs. So that every year, that's going to change when I bring those to 
the district, um, but it's, it's just simply trying to it's trying to estimate a fee for somebody coming outside uh, actually a foreign country, and it's based on your operating cost, general fund, LOB calculation. So you do the same kind of calculation every single year, though, but it yeah, it's uh, it's recommended by uh, KSDE, so we follow that guideline. Great. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Mr. Stratton. Uh, a couple of years ago, we eliminated some fees. Um, does that mean they're not even on here anymore? What would the, remind me what those were? Uh, all day kindergarten is is the big one, so okay. I just removed that. Okay. We no longer charge all day kindergarten to, uh, fees. All right, thank you, okay. Miss Neighbor. Thank you. If by some piece of luck, the state funds all day kindergarten, will that then just be added back in to if cover that our our costs. Yeah, if the if the state decides to include all day K in the formula, yes. Yeah, that would just be money that goes into the general fund would help pay for the all day K program. Yeah. Ms. I move approval of the school school fee schedule for the 2017-2018 school year. Second. Thank you, Masila. Are there any other um, any other discussion you would have? No. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries seven zero. Okay. Okay, we move to P four, which is the approval of construction contract, structural floor settlement repairs at Shawnee Mission South, Dr. Southwick. So this is a, a problem we have at Shawnee Mission South where we've had some settling of the floors. Bob Robinson has worked with um, through the process for us to secure bids to have that replaced this summer. In addition to that, I believe we have some restrooms that aren't, don't meet full handicap um, accessibility and we plan to do that work as well. Um, because of the size of this project, we've decided to make this an action item and I've got Mr. Robinson here prepared to give an oration should you need it. Um, isn't that right, Mr. Robinson? Yes, sir. Okay. But this is repair work to continue to maintain facilities. Would anyone like an oration by Mr. Robinson? Yes. Because <laughs> he stands at the ready. He does. Although I'd love to hear from Mr. Robinson, um, I'm going to move approval of the construction contract. Second. Thank you, Ms. Mack. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Um, any other discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. I might mention as we go to the next um, item that uh, this item as well as uh, paid for out of capital funds it's not part of the bond issue that is long-term work we need to do and you have a recommendation for approval of bids for new roofs at Rose Hill and Tomahawk um, as you can imagine across the district with the 50 buildings that we have um, we have repair work that goes on and on and on and this is uh, Mr. Robinson brings this to us tonight and again, because it's a big number, we wanted to have that be an action item. Move approval. Thank you, Ms. Bisfield. Second. Thank you, Ms. Neighbor. Any discussion? So, Just one thought. Okay. I noticed that we sent out eight requests and we got nine responses, which I think speaks to the fact that people are paying attention to what we're doing. <laughs> um, I think that's probably a good thing. I would just say, so this is money then is regularly, there's a schedule of roof replacements around the district. And so this is capital money that 
it's just it's scheduled maintenance. It's correction. scheduled maintenance. It's capital dollars that we receive every year yeah. that we look at to maintain our buildings. And I'm sure there. Um, I'll take just a minute to look at our legislature. Um, this is money that's very important to us as we continue to try to maintain our buildings. Um, I know that there have been um, some talk about some carve out of those dollars, and we've done some of that around uh, technology and also to pay uh, some of the salaries we've got. But we're going to be very careful to uh, garner that money closely um, because we've got a lot of work that we need to do in this district to repair our buildings. It's fun to build the new ones, um, but there's a lot of work that we need to do to maintain our buildings across the district. Mr. Robinson and his staff, I think, have done an excellent job of, of laying that out for us. I've seen his spreadsheets, and I'm going to give Mr. Knapp some credit there, too, because, yeah, I can't believe I've done that, Mr. Knapp, but I have. Um, this isn't what we have planned for next year, but we're planning this out over the next five or six years. And I think that in itself would be interesting to bring in as a workshop discussion. So you've got a sense of what it takes to keep this district operating. Any other comments, questions? Okay, so we have, um, we have a motion and a second. So all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. We'll move to the second. What? We'll move to the second. I had a neighbor. Yes, okay. Miss Neighbor, right? Yes. Correct? Mm -hmm. You yes. seconded, right? Yes. Yeah. So I had. Okay. Okay, P, uh, P6 approval of construction contracts for multiple bid packages to com complete the total project cost of Lenexa Hills. So, uh, just a couple of things I'd like to speak about. First of all, with the bond issue, there was a commitment to build a new elementary school in each of the five feeder patterns. All of those, um, we are in the process uh, This to meet that um, expectation that the board set forward, Lenexa Hill is the fifth. We do have Brookwood on the horizon that we'll bring to you later, but this takes care of the fifth elementary school commitment that was made to be in the West Area. Um, in addition to that, as you remember, um, at a previous meeting, we approved um, for uh, Jay Dunn to begin to move dirt on that project and also for us to begin to look at our precast walls. Uh, moving dirt, removing some trees, not many, but a few, gives us an opportunity to jumpstart, um, reminding that this school needs to open on time. I don't have an option of moving in in winter break or um, over uh, our spring break. So uh, you you issued the contracts for that work to begin. Uh, since then, we've taken bids, and I'm happy to say for this building, uh, Mr. Robinson and I was at, uh, attended the bid opening at J.E. Dunn. We had 130 bidders in the room. We feel like we got good pricing, and there was lots of activity around that. Um, and tonight, we ask for you to do the final approval of 16515531 but a total amount for us to build this building at 17641431. So moved. Thank you, Dr. Second. Denny. Thank you, Ms. Mack. Any questions or discussion? Yes, Mr. Trapp. Can you remind us about the uh, responsibility for cost overruns and, and how our different partners offer us guarantees as we move through this process? Yeah, um, we 
uh, we get a guaranteed price on the building that does not, um, and, and there's contingency built into all of these projects. We, um, if we don't use that money, we get the money, we get to keep it. We've done that on several of our elementary schools. Um, but we'll manage these contracts through this process for Lenexa Hills. This is a construction management agency rather than an at-risk. And the number that you've got tonight includes some contingency. Our goal is to manage those contracts and not have to bring 15 change orders to you um, uh, on something that would be unforeseen that gives the authority in this number for Mr. Robinson to do that. I will tell you that as we go through, and we've had this on every project so far, there are things that when we get into it we want to add. And it's not fair for us to ask our subs or our general contractor to add that when it's a value added for us. Mm -hmm. So um, I will not say that we won't bring a change order to you, um, but when we do, it will be a value added situation. Um, and that's what we've tried to do. There have been a few change orders that we've made but as a board, I think, and I've heard you echo, that we've been able to manage the number of change orders over that 240-some million dollars worth of work that we've done as a result of this process. Uh, so I would say I would absolutely affirm that. In the past, when we haven't had that overall contract, we've had change order after change order, and it's been a, a good process. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. I, will, I will assure the board and the public of this. Um, Mr. Robinson's pretty tough on change orders, and um, I'm not quite as tough, but, but pretty close to that. We garner the way we spend this money very careful, carefully, and um, this is so that we can add value to our projects and do additional projects with the monies that we have. So, and One last clarification. You offered up a number of 146 is where we are thus far, encumbered and the like. Is this going to be on top of that, or is that already included in this number? Huh? Does not include okay. the school. So we'll add this to the 146. Yep. Thank you. Good question. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Any other questions? No. Nope. Seeing none, we have a motion by. Uh, Craig. Craig. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm like. Yes. And by Patty. Yes. So, um, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed. Motion carries seven zero. Okay, uh, we have now what would be P? It's P7, uh, approval for 101 device refresh of Apple computer hardware. Yes, I'd ask um, Drew to come forward. Uh, the board will remember that we gave um, a brief update mm -hmm. um, of the process we were going through at the board meeting, said that we would be reporting back and asking for a motion for us to move forward with our <coughs> Apple one-to-one -one, um, computer hardware. So, Drew? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, if I were to stand up here and say I wasn't a little bit excited about this, would not be truthful, and so <laughs> I am. Uh, maybe that's just the technology person in me or, or whatever. But I also have the privilege of representing the work of not just myself. There were a number of departments involved in, in those work, and there were a number of individuals in those departments. Um, so hats off to, the, to them as well and, and their contributions. When we talked last, we spoke about trying to find a path towards providing a sustainable expenditure model for capital funds in the areas of technology while meeting all of the district's technology needs. And we started out kind of with a question. And, and when I say we, I mean these, these people I'm talking about, we worked in different departments, but also dipsticking other people and, and, and asking essentially this primary question, does the Shawnee Mission School District intend to continue to have technology in the district? 
And it was a pretty resounding yes. That, that was the answer we got from pretty much everyone was yes. We think that's definitely something we need to do. And so we took that and then tried to figure out, okay, how, we, how do we do that? How do we make that sustainable? Um, a, a digital learning initiative, a one-to-one initiative, is, is not an inexpensive venture for any organization. And so finding a way to make that sustainable was important to us. And we started, we started kicking around a few ideas. And, and the idea we settled on was to come up with refresh schedules for these devices that included the one-to-one devices as well as those other areas of technology needs the district has and find a way to make those expenditures uh, spread out a little bit over time to make them more digestible and then get the best deal possible. And so tonight I bring to you the, the first in, in what will probably be a series of steps for us as a district in, in establishing these cycles of three, four, and five-year refreshes. And this would be for the iPads for students and then also our, our teachers. And the, the deal that we, we were able to negotiate with Apple for this was uh, it's a 0% finance over three years, which we thought was very attractive. There's, there's not even any cost associated with using the money over the three years. The reason for bringing it to you in, in, in a three-year refresh for the iPads is uh, our iPads retain their highest resale value in the market at this point in time. After three years of use, they have the highest remarketable value. That combined with the fact that we could get the, the interest rate so low, zero, and uh, the fact that we're buying in the quantities that we do and get a per unit price down as low as it was, we felt like this was an appropriate time and a physically, a physically responsible way to refresh that first set of devices. As we go down, then we would continue every three years looking at iPads for refresh. The other DLI devices would be on four-year, and then other devices in the district that are in labs, support areas, those types of things, they would be on five-year refreshes. And we've walked through many scenarios and looked down the road where this appears to be sustainable. As with any economy, as with any budget situation, there are uncertainties. There are certain things we can't predict, but we've tried to dot every I and cross every T that we could. And we bring this to you tonight because we feel like this is the right time to make this purchase. The, 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 the finances of it make sense to us. It provides the devices to our students that they need to continue the successes we've seen with the one-to-one. And, and uh, again, uh, just out of a little bit of, of sheer excitement on my part, um, this is exciting. It's a, it would be an exciting opportunity for us to undertake as well. So with that, I would stand for any questions that you might have. Questions? So real Mr. quick, Shatton. simple math. I'm looking at this, and it says $12 million over three years, no finance cost. What's the cash flow look like, meaning equally divided over 36 months and pay that, that way? I believe like so. the consumer does? Okay. So as far as the way it hits different school years, we begin this starting with the next school year? The first payment will be this May. Okay. And then each May, the next All right, so three full school years with an overlap of, of one month, or a couple months, actually. All right, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lucila. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we've planned for. This refresh has been something that we have budgeted for and that we knew was coming at a certain time as well, right? Certainly. So, this, this is something yes. that we, we, we started looking at uh, in the initial purchase. Right. Uh, we've just come to a point in time where it's become more imperative, and so we started looking at a solution. We've been working on this probably 18 months, somewhere in that neighborhood. Great. Great. Thank you. Any other? Ms. Neighbor. And this money comes from capital outlay? That's correct. It does. So that's part of that decision that was made by the district to spend some money on technology. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, 
the, the one thing that I want to reiterate that was big as we look at this was um, the value of our iPads turned in now versus next year is a million dollars. So that's a million dollars that we, we received. The zero percent interest, we looked and Russ did a great job putting the financials together. We could have done this over a four-year period of time at about a little over one percent. That would have been $700,000 additional that we would have paid in interest. So that's, that, any way you look at it, that's a million seven. Uh, we can take advantage right now with the, the purchase and the refresh of our iPads. Um, it's an educational decision, but it's also a business decision. Um, and uh, I, I, again, want to thank Russ and Drew and also Dr. Aitha because he was involved in this process of, of putting together an opportunity for us to refresh the iPads, but also uh, continue to do roofs and sidewalks and other kinds of things that we have in the district. Any other questions? Mr. Lane? Ms. Sheila? I would move approval of the one-to-one -one device refresh of Apple computer hardware. Thanks, Ms. Sheila. Second. Thanks, Ms. Bisfield. Any discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Okay, we move to Q1, which is approval of revised board policy JBCB in-district transfers. Dr. Sopwick. Yes, uh, the policy is here tonight, and we do ask that this um, be the first and the final reading of this policy. Uh, if you look on the policy, it stays exactly the same, except under B, we have added an area that we think better serves our families and um, our students just in terms of letting them know where they can refer to additional policies. Um, this is um, in-district transfer policy, JBCB, and the, the piece that we've added are transfer request and transfer revocations will be processed in accordance with non-discrimination requirements and board policies A, C, and KN. Uh, those policies were already there and uh, should be reviewed, but we um, believe that adding this draws attention to the policy and assures parents um, and also the board that we will consider those policies as those decisions are made. Thank you. Dr. Denny. Thank you, Ms. Neighbor. Um, any other discussion from board members? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay, the next one is the approval of revised board policy BCBI public participation, which is our first reading on this. So um, I sat on a committee with uh, Ms. Zila and uh, Ms. Uh, Bisfield, and we, um, we were talking about our open forum public participation. And do you guys have anything to add about those discussions? I think we're just trying to bring this up to more kind of what we, what our practice is, um, updating it just a little bit. The handling complaints, I'm not sure why that was in there before. So um, we thought that probably could be struck from this policy. Um, we want what we practice to match our policies, obviously so. So um, in this is also a limit of three, three minutes. Um, and I will speak to that because I know it's hard for um, the board chair, I would say, myself in this position, um, to um, have to make a decision about 
well, at a meeting room we only have maybe one person speaking in open forum and letting them go. I think at some point it said three to five minutes in, in one of our um, uh, policies or one of our documents. And then another time said it was at my discretion. And, you know, when we have a lot of people speaking in open forum, we usually do. We have It's been our practice to do three minutes. I mean, so I think we looked at other boards and what they're doing. Um, Blue Valley does three minutes. Motika um, Aleta um, does five minutes. So this is really up for us to discuss. Um, we just thought three minutes since that's the way. But if you all, um, that's why we put it as a first read, too, because I know this is the first time really um, you've, you've received these, um, this, this policy. But we wanted to get feedback from you all, too, to see if you think the three minutes is um, sufficient to do that. Um, so anyway, any discussion um, that you would have about that? Yes, Ms. Matt. Um, I know I know it's hard um, in the uh, president's chair, but I, I do like that that it, there there can be some flexibility that the president can use um, in those situations. I think well, I used a little bit tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just exactly. a slight amount. I think that that you should have that flexibility right. given every situation is different, but you want to be fair to all. So right. I know that's, that's a difficult balance to have, but I think exactly that's, um, the purview of the president. Yes, Mr. Stratton. Um, I think the key to this is that it's the revised policy about public participation, and I think that's the very important part is this is to continue to invite public participation. I will ask before we take action that, that you read what it says, because I don't know that between on the board and what's handed out tonight, I don't know these folks have the ability to see what we see here. Oh, It's only sure. four or five sentences, so I think if that's okay, I'd like you to share what it says so that we know, so they know what we're voting on. Sure. This is Board Policy BCBI, Public Participation. The Board welcomes the interest and involvement of the public and is the intent of the Board that the statement of its policy concerning meetings and procedures will alert the public and invite greater public participation. At every regularly scheduled monthly Board meeting, the President or presiding officer may ask patrons attending if they would like to speak during the open forum portion of the agenda. Speakers are required to sign up with the Board Clerk prior to the meeting. Rules for open forum will be available from the clerk prior to the board meeting and at the meeting itself. The board president may impose a time, a limit of three minutes that a speaker may address the board. The board president or his or his, her designee may ask groups with the same interest to appoint a spokesperson to deliver the group's message. So basically the changes are um, the three minutes, just having that as a set time, which other, other boards do. Um, the signing up with the board clerk um, prior to the meeting. Um, I think that we would really love for people to sign up just slightly prior to 7, like maybe 6.50 would be our, um, our um, just, just so we're not at crunch time, at meeting time. Um, some boards actually require that you sign up by noon that day with the board clerk. Uh, so there's a wide variety of different methods. But we, again, want to be inviting, want people to come to the meeting, but it would be nice to have about that 10-minute time period so at least um, when we're trying to get organized up here that we have it all, uh, you, know, give it, you know, give us a 10-minute. Mm -hmm. So, But that, again, is up for we, right now we go up right up to 7 o'clock, correct, Ms. Wayne? Right up to 7 o'clock, so that would be something. And also in providing, uh, I think there's some, some question as to exactly what, what can be done in open forum. And so giving, we've uh, created, uh, uh, if you notice today, my open forum um, speech before, I changed it to the one that was, um, that we would like to move forward with. And that's not policy, it's procedure. So I went ahead and did it today. 
And um, I think it just gives people direction, um, more information. Um, it helps to um, to give them some some information about uh, speaking. A lot of times we see people that come before us that are nervous and may not, not know exactly what it is um, they can and cannot say. We don't obviously want to want to get into matters of student um, naming students or naming specific staff members, um, things like that. Um, it's just uh, we want. It. So anyway, and that would be given out too to anybody who signs up uh, for Open Forum a specific uh, piece of paper that has those things on it as well. So we're just trying to get better in our Open Forum. Yeah, go ahead, Dr. You Dean. know, this is a first reading, so it'll it come is. back to us. But I, I wonder if you and your task force folks uh, might take a look a little bit at the wording. Because to me it says that the president will invite participation at the start of the meeting. And I don't know how you do that if you want somebody to sign up 10 minutes before the meeting starts. Okay. So there may be a little bit of wordsmithing, wordsmithing that you might want to, if it does in fact reflect our practice. So, okay. And I'm certain you guys can do that. We can do that. Thank you. Thanks for that. Yes, Mr. Shaw. And I would just say that uh, I'm comfortable with the word may being in here several times. So that uh, we're making policy for not only this group sitting here, but all the groups ahead of us that can look at this and interpret it. And so we're saying, you know, may, uh, the, the board president may uh, impose a three-month three limit. It continues to be at the discretion of the, of the president, so I'm comfortable with that, too. But I do invite folks that uh, this is the first reading, so if there are folks that have input on this, please let us know, because um, this is going to be a policy that we want to continue to engage participation. And upon passage of this, I want to just make sure that you know, it's put online so people can continue to be educated and understand what the process is before they come. Because if they have five minutes of notes and three minutes, it's a little, I'm sure, disturbing and frustrating. So just so we get that out there for people to understand. Yes, I agree. And there is a space, I believe, um, under the Board of Education that kind of, uh, it's an FAQ it or, out. yeah, it's information. So we'll make sure that that change happens. Um, right. Yeah. And I would just add to that that the policy certainly will be in there, but the guidelines as well, so right. that they know that online. Um, I think Terry would be able to, those that call in prior to the meeting and want to sign up for open forum, she can email them a copy of that or point to it on the website of where they might see that. So hopefully then everybody's on the same page and not, you know, caught unaware. So, but I mean, the purpose of this really was to promote participation. So um, it wasn't that we're trying to curb it at all, but it was trying to kind of enhance it. So that and, was the intent. And be consistent. I just Correct. It always bothered me that, you know, it just depended on the meeting. If you came, you were afforded more time to speak um, as to when we had a, a, a large amount of people. So, right. so Ms. Mayer. I just wanted to say I, I, thank you all going through that and going through all the um, – because I know you looked at several, many school districts while you went through this. And it just seems appropriate as we move into the new building, hopefully, for next month's morning. <laughs> yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Super. Well, I appreciate your feedback tonight. And um, okay. appreciate hearing from anyone else that has any feedback about it as well. So, okay. We move on to R1, the consideration of superintendent's resignation. Um, so as you all can see there, we, we do have um, Dr. Henson's retirement resignation from the district. There's the letter that's posted here that I received. Um, so we are here to consider that tonight. So I move we accept the resignation. 
Thank you, Dr. Denny. Second. Thank you, Ms. Pasil. Any comments? I guess my action would be uh, regretfully mm -hmm. as I cast my vote this evening. I, I second that. Yeah. Yes. I third that. Can I third that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Any other comments tonight? Yes, Ms. Beck. I think it was nice tonight. Uh, we heard a lot of reports tonight, a lot of presentations, and um, it was sure apparent to me that people took the time to reflect back and, and see what um, innovations, what initiatives um, that Dr. Henson has brought to the district. And I was really thankful for the people who spoke tonight that they brought those things up. Um, it's not easy. And um, anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Thank you for sharing those things because he has brought incredible, incredible things to our district. Anybody else? Who else? No other comments? Okay. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Okay. Um, I would like to... Um, talk a little bit about the transition now that we have done this um, this act um, we have act, uh, formally accepted his resignation we do move on to the next process which is um, the process of hiring a new superintendent it is late in the school year late to be doing this um, we need someone his retirement is um, actually effective on June 30th as you all know and July 1 we need somebody in that seat so tonight we will actually recess um, and talk about um, about because you know we, we did was this the first time that all seven of us have met since this happened um, we have not had the opportunity for to talk about um, personnel going forward so we will recess and and talk about that this evening and also a, um, a plan our plan obviously going forward in um, in, in what we want to do so um, that's the plan uh, going forward, and we will be, um, as we have been in the past. We all, well, except for Mr. Stratton, we all were in, involved four years ago when this happened and, um, and when we went through this process. And it's a process that takes a long, a long period of time. Um, I did look back just to see Blue Valley. Uh, they, I think their superintendent resigned in June, and um, they didn't name the uh, next superintendent till February. The last time we did this, I believe it was September, was it not, Patty, that Dr. Johnson uh, submitted his resignation, and we were able to um, get a superintendent by March. So um, we, we started the, the process of selecting a company to yeah. help lead the search. Right. But the actual interviewing of candidates, et cetera, did not even happen until January. So I appreciated the comments tonight, Tiffany, and I forget who else said that. But um, if you wait that long, the candidate pool diminishes, so you have to get the process started. But as far as the election, we didn't do it until spring break. And if you recall four years ago, we had multiple meetings throughout the district about input, characteristics, surveys. We did a lot of that in the fall, so I appreciate your comments about that. But depending on the process, we decide at this point in time. That's what we did four years ago. So the timeline, the, the board will um, develop a timeline um, and, uh, and obviously share that out. So 
just want to let everyone to know that. Yes, Mr. Stratton. I just want to be clear that uh, as far as our function yet this evening uh, in executive session is to talk about process, that right. no other decisions mm -hmm. will be made at this point. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, no, no other decisions made tonight. Thank you. And then I'll reiterate what you just said because you, you said it well, and that is I think it would be incumbent upon us to give updates on the timeline. I think that's the, the input I got from most folks on this um, was we'd like to know the timeline and we'd like to know where we can offer up our, our input and our suggestions and our insight. Absolutely. And Mrs. Mack talked about that and as well. And Ms. Mack, I mean, you exactly right. I looked through a lot of the paperwork from the last time and, and um, the, the, those were all shared and um, the timelines and everything were all shared in public meetings when we did this the last time and, and um, people, they were paying attention and came to the meetings or, you know, viewed our meetings, they would have seen that, um, that, um, that those were all the timelines were all shared, so. Plus, Mrs. Goodman, yes, I would just want to reiterate that there was also an online survey that Absolutely. they couldn't make it to one of the meetings that were held, that they could give their input Absolutely. that way as well. There was and we uh, read every single 300 and some odd responses, I know, um, alone, and then they did um, two actual, um, then this is this search firm, so uh, the one that we used at that point, so I can't speak to going forward, but I would imagine we would want and would value that going forward. So, sure. so anyway, um, so anybody else have any comments? Okay, Mr. Trent. Uh, I'd like to thank all those folks who uh, came forward, both this meeting and in previous meetings. Um, I hope that we were able to exhibit an example of uh, that we are we are hearing you and. Uh, I thought it was really pretty impressive that uh, some of the messages came to us from our own students, um, both with voice and with pen. Um, I think some of them did a very nice job with some of their journalistic approach to addressing the concerns of the district. I also think that uh, a lot of phone calls were made. Um, I, I got a message today that said I need to uh, clean out my email box or my, my uh, voice box because it's full. That's a good thing. Um, I, I appreciate the input that's being taken place. Uh, sometimes I ask that you give us a little time, um, that uh, we had, what, 21, some folks, or whatever it was last time speak. It took us a while to get some of those answers generated. Um, I've heard from folks they want to hear more, and, and, and we hear you on that. So I want to make sure that you know that this is an ongoing process, it's an ongoing dialogue. We're going to continue to prioritize. We're going to do it with the staff. That's what we're elected to do. But I don't want to discourage any of the input because that's very important to us. So thank you for that. Else? Well, that and then T1 is comments from board members. So if you have already any comments, in. what? <laughs> already jumped in. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Miss Neighbor, you have a comment. Thank you. I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Okay. I had the opportunity on Thursday to spend my day doing Discover Children's Mercy. And we looked at the transplant program, the heart program, uh, everything you can imagine radiation, uh, ENT. And we all got to be on certain rotations, which was a lot of fun. But in speaking with them, they're very interested in coming over and seeing our new facility for our signature programs to see if there is any way they can partner. So I will turn that name in, and I have information whoever wants that. And then I had the opportunity today to go to the intermodal in Gardner, and they have a learning center there that ties in with uh, Johnson County Community College. And they're working on some things there on, uh, in some areas of welding and um, some other areas as far as manufacturing. So when we look at techno I mean tech and trade, 
they're very interested in bringing young people on board. So I think there are a couple of possibilities, and that's an area that is growing enormously uh, out on the intermodal, and it's amazing what they do. It's not just trains. <coughs> so Amazon's <coughs> out there. Many companies are out there, and so it may be another opportunity for mentorship with our students. So. One quick one. I promise it's quick. Um, May 3rd, don't forget the boundary update meeting at Shawnee Mission West on May 3rd. And obviously, since school is getting out early this year because we didn't have any snow days, we didn't realize our Board of Education meeting won't be until after school's out. Exactly. So it's um, so that Monday night, and we will be having the vote that night. Um, in the interim, I just pray for great weather through graduations. It's hard to believe we're at the end of another school year. So. Thank you, Ms. Beck. Anybody else? Dr. Denny. All right. I move that the Board of Education recess to executive session in order to discuss personnel matters relating to non-elected personnel. The meeting will reconvene at 10 p.m. and no further business will be conducted following the exec session. Second. Thank you, Dr. Denny. Thank you, Ms. Bisfield. All those, uh, or any, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Thank you all for coming.